I, I think we didn't fuck up the sauerkraut this time. Ooh, yeah, you think so? Yeah, I, th- I, I think we're 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 gonna we're gonna get some sour in our kraut uh, this time. So so uh, so for for the holidays, um, my mom picked something up on my on my wish list, and it's a a fermenter, like a ceramic fermenter. Mm-hmm. It has like a little ring at the top that you pour water into, and that's like the air lock, and you just put whatever the hell you want in there. So we put a whole head of cabbage with some caraway seeds. And and we just let it do its thing, and, and uh, that was on the twenty eighth. So it's been it's like celebrated its week birthday a couple days ago, and it's gone past. There's like a like a hump that you have to get over, the of like really smelling like trash, and now it's really starting to. You know, lactobacillus is really doing its thing. Well, the huh. last we did another batch, and I I don't know what happened, but it smelled like a dirty like dirty diaper level shits like it smelled oh, wow. <laughs> absolutely horrible i had to leave the room because i'm very sensitive to bad smells i felt like i was gonna throw up um but this one is smelling is smelling good so well hell yeah and you guys don't need to like um inoculate it with like a specific culture you don't like throw a dab of yogurt in there or something no nope. no wow. you, we we live with lactobacillus every day wow it's just doing its thing the ecology of sauerkraut. Yeah, it's powerful stuff. Well, I, I look forward to uh, being able to taste that maybe, you know, yeah, maybe. Uh, these COVID numbers, they're going down, folks. It's a good thing. It's one, one, uh, Yeah, number go down. Line go down, finally. <laughs> yeah. For the first time in what, like five months? It's like started to change um, concavity. Yeah. 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 Well, I guess that's enough banter. <laughs> i feel so normal and relaxed and i'm just talking here all right i'm just, just talking just a couple of friends just having just a couple chat. friends hanging out yeah just talking just about concavity yeah just vibing you may have noticed the charming laugh of a mis- mystery fourth guest on the show today um we are absolutely blessed to have kiani conley wilson on the show Kiani is a Troy activist and organizer rpi grad what what we got four rpi grads in the chat um, and County does some really incredible work around uh, specifically like sustainability stuff and urban gardening. County's a farmer and uh, we are very lucky to have them on Ironweeds. The most important thing in County's life right now, I would say, and for the future of this city is that County the world, is some people are saying and some people are saying <laughs> the world. Um, our next president, County Conley Wilson, running for <laughs> city council, District 5. Thank you so much for coming on Iron Weeds. Thank you so much for having me. I'm like so excited to be on the show. I've been listening for a while and excited to be here. You, you hear that, folks? We're power brokers. All right. <laughs> <laughs> we decide. Forget Trump TV. All right. Iron Weeds is what is the kingmakers and the queenmakers and the, the non-binary royalty of, of, uh, of, of Troy. We yeah. we make it. We make it. Royalty, if you will. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Royalty, perfect. Yeah. We have our own roller family. So, Kiani, how much money do you think RPI owes us for raising its uh, profile uh, just by the four of us being here? Oh, I think I, I think millions, right? Right. Okay. Like, yeah. like we got to cancel out our entire student debt plus more. Like, we, we need yeah. some for ourselves, too, you know? Yeah, absolutely. A little, a little something. Yep. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe property tax as like table stakes. <laughs> yeah, yeah they can start by paying a little property tax. That would be good. Yep. Yeah, or or like 
I could teach a single course to like one other person in my in in the living room, and then we'll get total tax exemption uh, of our house uh, because that's what they do for all their buildings, right? They put like one classroom in the building, and then they don't have to pay any taxes. And so, like maybe I could just like throw uh, one class, uh, you know, in a room somewhere, and then then I'm fine. Yeah. Well, you have been broadcasting uh, classroom uh, education uh, from That's your home. That's a good so point. You should jump on that. Yeah, Get we should that be loophole. paying taxes. You've been teaching from home for how long now? A yeah, year? like a year. Yeah. yeah. I, I, we're already touching the third rail of politics here, right? Because we want Kiani <laughs> on to talk a lot about like what her, uh, what her vision is for Troy. And, uh, and maybe it's uh, uh, RPI paying more taxes. I don't know. You'll have to ask her. But uh, what we really wanted to know, Keanu, is just like, um, what in general inspired you to run? Like, why are you putting yourself through this? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> I, I ask myself that question every every morning I wake up now. <laughs> 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 um, but yeah, as Brittany said, I'm a community organizer. So I've been organizing in Troy for about seven years now. And I really saw this gap in terms of our political leaders of Troy not really listening to what our uh, residents say and want and need. And I kind of was like, all right, well, if no one else is going to step up and actually do the work and make sure that we're listening to what folks really need, especially the working class folks, then I guess I'll step up and do it. You know, I, I have this this organization behind me backing me up and um, yeah, and the experience and I can talk about things. So why not? Yeah. Well, I think thank that's you for pretty, running. Uh, thank you for running. You know, I think <laughs> I almost worry that you were maybe a little bullied into it. Because so many of us have been sitting around for years like, we got to get somebody to run for city council, man. And then it's like crickets. And <laughs> You know, nobody really like raises their hand and is like, I'll do it probably because most of us, you know, have our too, too many of us are posters and uh, <laughs> <laughs> created a reputation for ourselves that might um, <laughs> preclude a run. But I, I think of the people in our social group, County, you are uh, very much the best position to run because you do have so much experience organizing people and getting people to unite behind a common cause and then actually get stuff done towards that cause so mm. you know i think troy's really lucky to have you and district five is really lucky to have you in the run yeah you know and i'm thinking of like all the things that like you, you said Keanu, like all the things that like the city just like doesn't listen to people about uh and, and i can already like rattle off like fi- like a couple like five things like yeah. instantly it, it's it's really disturbing right you know like there's uh up in district one there's the uh um uh a developer wants to bulldoze like the last remaining forest on the Hudson in, in the city. Uh, there's the sanctuary city debate where uh, the whole city council voted for it. And then mayor Madden uh, vetoed it. You know, you can think of gosh, what, like what else there's, you know, the fact that property taxes keep going up and yet there's no real appreciable difference in how like anything gets run. And then of course there's the police, right. Mm-hmm. And the fact that, you had eleven thousand people out in the street for Black Lives Matter, and we're we're not even close to uh, reckoning with any of the problems that have uh, that have come up ar- around the police that we've been dealing with for like a decade. Yeah, honestly, yeah, and, and that police board that they just made, like 
full full of police officers or uh, people that uh, have aligned with the police and not many community members, um, especially uh, black community members and other community members that are impacted by police brutality on there. So already not listening. It's like a parody of itself. The police have done their investigation of themselves and they have found that they did have that there was no wrongdoing. Like it, it you really can't get more like the absurdity is just it, it like defies parody. Yeah, especially uh, in light of, you know, the events of the last several years, you know, like we, we talked about on previous episodes, how um, the police's own internal investigation found the late uh, Sergeant Randall French to essentially have summarily executed and lied about uh, about the murder of Edson Thevenin. And, you know, like w- there was uh, community calls for um, a uh, civilian review board with teeth. And uh, instead, we got a mayor-appointed uh, police, what do they call it? The Police Investigation Reimagining or Reinvention oh, Committee? Oh, yeah. Here, I have it in front of me. Um, police Reform and Reinvention Collaborative. Co- collaborative is an adjective. We don't need to be using collaborative as a noun. That's, That's my biggest complaint about that, actually. Yeah. I mean, we, so I, I have the 15 uh, people that are going to be on it uh, in front of me right here. And like, let, I, I just, let, let's run through it real fast. There's like, so there, there's some of the good stuff. There is like the director, the executive directors of both uh, Joseph's House and Shelter and Unity House, like two organizations that provide services to uh, uh, people uh, experiencing homelessness and, and drug addiction, stuff like that. Uh, and, and, and you have the uh, the president of the Troy branch of, N- of the NAACP, Renee Powell. Um, and that's it. <laughs> you know, the, there's, um, well, the, I guess there's the county public defender, uh, Rensselaer County Public Defender. I don't know. I, I don't know much about them. And you know, in all the circles that we run in, you would think if maybe they were like connected to the community, you know, like any of us might have heard of them before or talked to them, but we haven't. And then there's, um, but then like, uh, oh, and there's also Starletta Smith of the YWCA of the Greater Capital Region. Like they're they're, they're a great organization too. Um, but then there's uh, um, five, six people uh, that. Uh, at the uh, that are listed at the top, right? There's Deputy Mayor Mayor uh, Monica Krzynski, uh, and then Police Chief Brian Owens, Deputy Police Chief Daniel DeWolf, District Attorney Mary Pat Donnelly, uh, and then two City Council people, Carmela Mantello and Ken Zalewski. And as um, uh, Ken Zalewski, outgoing uh, District Five City Council member, who has said that he doesn't intend uh, to run again, so. So here, well, he said that he intends to run for county. Yeah. He has yeah, not said if that doesn't work out, if he won't again. Yeah. Which means, you know, county could be facing a primary challenger, whether Ken or somebody else, which is something we should keep in mind. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think there was recently a drive to, like, re-register as working family parties, which I, I understand the drive for that. But I also think it's important for folks to re- realize there may be other progressive slate, uh, like, insurgent candidates in Troy for Troy City Council. Um, I don't think they've announced yet, so I won't name any names, but it is possible that we're going to have some, you know, progressives running on the Democratic ticket. And so if you want to be able to vote in that primary, you know, sadly, New York has closed primaries, so you will have to be, you know, registered Democrat for that. So just something to keep in mind. Um, But yeah, Keanu, I mean, what are your thoughts on like the situation of police 
police and police reform and, you know, I guess just broadly like the landscape of law enforcement in Troy? Yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of it is is really simple. It's just listening to the folks who are impacted the most by police brutality and violence and then implementing whatever whatever change they want to do. So if it's, you know, having healthcare workers and experts on site when, um, you know, there's a mental health crisis, making sure that happens, making sure that folks are safe from the police, because, you know, I've definitely seen a number of instances where police have just, instead of de-escalating, just escalated in, in engagement. What, what, do you, what do you say to people who are, um, I, I think, rightfully concerned about, like, the increase in, in like, say, uh, gun violence? in in north central like uh, i i think we a lot of americans have been trained to say that the answer to that is more police so like what is the um the the alternative to that yeah i think a lot of that is really coming from not being not having other alternatives not having other resources available to them so making sure that like young people kids in high school and elementary school and middle school like have after school programming and have things to do over the summer that isn't just it's like, Oh, I can't find a job. I can't do something. I can't, I can't afford, uh, my parents can't afford to send me to summer camp. What can I do? And you know, that's really the only alternative that they have. Right. Right. That that's, that's clearly like a problem also of the, of the coronavirus a little Mm -hmm. bit, right. Is that, uh, that we have a, a lot of, idle people who are out of work and experiencing a lot of um, uh, trauma and uh, um, pressures just in in, in general, right? That like, we're we're living through some really hard times. And that comes out in ways that are um, that often get marked as crime. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, um, you know, a lot of this is like systematic and like poverty is is a form of violence, in my opinion. Um, as someone who experienced like not having money growing up and not being able to afford food and feeling very insecure in, in terms of our housing and all that, and actually addressing like the poverty issues will make Troy a better place, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So, so you were talking about uh, some alternative uh, mechanisms that might be able to uh, make interventions in uh, reducing um, the violence in our society. And uh, you and I have actually both lived uh, in, in the North Central neighborhood. Yeah, um, and we I actually used to that... live in the same same apartment, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, indeed. Uh, and, uh, w- w- you know, I know that SNUG is a, um, a grassroots organization mm-hmm. that has uh, in a, you know, a relationship in that neighborhood as well as uh, other neighborhoods like in Albany. Mm-hmm. Um, do you see, you know, this type of community-based response as uh, something that can be uh, incorporated uh, on like the city level to uh, help uh, reduce violence? Absolutely. And I think um, there's also Team Hero that really focuses in on um, providing opportunities for folks and em- empowering kids to, you know, stay true to their voice and figure out what they like to do. And I think programs like that really should be, um, you know, supported by the city and encouraged by like city leaders like, hey, like, these are some some things that are available for you. And what, what do you think it says about the current city administration that uh, the like just those two organizations alone aren't represented in any of these police reform efforts. 
I think it just kind of shows like how much they don't really know and how much they don't aren't really connecting with the community and not aren't really like in touch with what the issues really are. And it's going to be, I imagine it's going to be pretty hard to, uh, to like get in touch with people during a pandemic. Right. And, and and do the hard work of campaigning when it's uh, not always safe to like be in the same room with people. Uh, Even though, you know, like we were all um, uh, getting excited. I, I think a little off mic about how, um, the numbers are starting to go down, thanks in large part to vaccination efforts, though, of course, those vac- vaccination efforts don't get into the uh, communities that often need it the most. Right? It, um, we, we've, um, we've been hearing uh, anecdotally, at least, that you know, like some of the volunteers at the Albany SUNY um, vaccination site, which is run by the state, like, they're just only seeing white people there. Like, white people right. show up to, to, uh, to get vaccinated. And so, like, I, I guess it, it, this is like a, a big pile of uh, of terrible stuff that, that, that's, that's it's, it's all happening. But like, I guess like the, the the more direct question to you, Kiani, is like, how do you think this pandemic in all of its like terribleness is going to impact the way you campaign? Absolutely, like total, totally different, totally different ballgame than uh, what anyone else before me has has been dealing with in terms of campaigning and. So there, there are some things that the Board of electric, Elections are doing um, where, you know, I don't have to get as many signatures, which is like a good thing, but they're still making me go out and get physical signatures from folks instead of like letting people like maybe mail something in or signing digitally, which would make things a, a lot more safer. Um, yeah. So, you know, we're going to have to have face shields and hand sanitizer, gloves, masks. We're, we're, we're probably going to be handing out the pens that we let p- people sign with. So we just don't have to worry about spreading germs that way. Um, and then also so, doing... So big, big pen is behind this. Yeah, yes. Big pen <laughs> is 100% behind this. You heard it here first. And the iron weeds. <laughs> <laughs> are, are you talking about doing pen bribes? Because I yeah, don't know. Yeah. Uh, slippery slope. I, I might have to report... Do uh, do respect financial reporting on, on the m- number of pens I give out. <laughs> Look at this one. Look at how nice it clicks. This is just the beginning. All right, this is just the beginning. Um, well, you know, this is something we've been talking about a little bit with voter outreach. Is like how because you know I'm I'm helping out on the voter outreach side of the campaign, and like it's hard enough to get people to you know open up their door and then listen to your spiel and then maybe even talk to you and like, you know, cause a lot of like knocking on people's doors when you are campaigning is like hearing what they want out of government and hearing what their concerns are and hearing what, you know, politics is run on what people are afraid of sadly. But you know, that's, that's a big part of the campaigning is listening to people mm-hmm. and you know, in a normal year, people don't want to talk to door knockers about campaigns. And now it's also the question of if I open my door to this person, am I going to become infected with a deadly virus? Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, I think like part of it is you're already a, like, a, you know, from jump, you have a really great online presence. Um, and I think that's really like to be commended uh, for you and for the team that's behind you. And but, you know, there is still going to have to be that physical component, because frankly, it's it's at the doorfront where, you know, politics really takes off. So mm-hmm. um, I think it's going to be challenging. I 
but I also think that you are really well situated. You know, you're speaking to the issues that people are most concerned about in the city. And so um, it's going to be, I, I, I'm, I'm nervous, but I'm also really excited for it. Yeah, it's going to be, I feel like everyone's going to feel a little anxious about like door knocking, especially with the pandemic going on. Yeah. Uh, now, my brother came uh, up to visit me on Friday out of the blue, uh, but I had been otherwise uh, planning on uh, participating in your listening um, uh, uh, campaign event uh, mm-hmm. that you did over Zoom the other day. Um, w- did you find that to be a model that seemed like it was working? Were you able to uh, both get your message out as well as like potentially uh, field some, some uh, concerns and questions from uh, the population? Um, I feel like, I feel like we, we might need to work on the agenda a little bit just because folks seemed a little shy on Zoom, um, to mm. like actually talk and tell me their ideas. Um, but I do think we got our message across and, um, I felt like when, when I was talking, people were kind of like nodding their heads, like, yeah, like that sounds good. Like that's what I want in a candidate. So I think just like seeking out more feedback on like, how can we improve? What do folks want to see? Um, and then just like building that trust and rapport with folks so folks can like feel comfortable, like, yeah, like I, I will be heard by Kiani. Um, but, mm-hmm. but I think it was a fir- really great first, first event. And I'm like, real excited to do more of those. I think we're going to try and do those about like monthly if we can, um, just so folks can kind of tell us, um, what they're looking for and what direction they want us to going in. And what are you hearing is some of the biggest challenges, uh, facing the city of Troy? There was, there was like a lot of talk about, um, like we talked about, um, you know, mental health, like improving mental health services. There was a lot of talk about just improving community services, um, policing. And there were a lot of, I felt like there were a lot of like gardeners and like green people on that call, which was exciting for me. So uh, trying to figure out ways to support our urban gardeners a bit more directly. Yeah, because I think one of the things that came up is just the lack of like, public space and green space in district five you know we have prospect park and david and i are lucky enough to live on a cemetery so that's all very green uh most of the year at least not right now now it's very white um (laughs) but (laughs) and it's always actually very white but But, you know i think that's another thing that you're really well suited to kiani as like a farmer and an urban gardener is that Troy has in especially, you know, the poorest neighborhoods, like very little pub places where people can legally be together outside. Mm-hmm. Um, and that I think is another problem that speaks to like the violence in a lot of our communities is like, it's just hard to find places to become, to, to be together with each other in public. And especially like in district five down by the waterfront, that's sort of like this industrial wasteland. That's like literally just piles of rocks, like three story high piles of rocks. And so um, could you talk a little bit about how your experience doing, you know, sustainability stuff and like urban urban gardening, like how Troy can really benefit from that perspective? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one thing that like gardens are good at and just having more uh, greenery is absorbing water. <laughs> um, and, you know, with oncoming climate catastrophes on the horizon, uh, flooding is going to be a big issue in Troy and uh, making sure that the city is not putting that the onerous of flood preparation on homeowners and renters and all of that, making sure that they actually have a plan for that is really important. And also like there's like the mental health and like 
emotional aspect of gardening. It's, uh, you know, you, you typically, I know that like all of us have grown food before and, you know, like there'll be one week where you just have an abundance of like all these things. And you're like, I don't know what to do with 50 cucumbers. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, you have to find 20 friends to take them. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Thank God I have neighbors. <laughs> um, so, you know, it, it, it also like, not only do you feel good when you're like, get your hands dirty. And, at least I do. Um, Brittany, mm. I know that you're not, you're not a fan of <laughs> getting your hands dirty and all that. I feel seen uh, and attacked. um but you know it's a place to but it's also a place to gather and a place to hang out and connect to one another i know um in my community garden anytime i pull up in my truck uh all the little kids on the street they're like oh my god it's a garden lady and (laughs) (laughs) um and it's really and i think it really means a lot that i'm someone that looks like them um yeah and, and, you know, I feel like they instantly like see me. And at first they were kind of like, who is this random person? Like, there's just a vacant lot. Like, what is she doing there? Um, but, you know, they got familiar with my face. And now, um, you know, they like to play in the dirt and all that when I'm there, help me put down some seeds. So it really is like a space for folks to really just connect to one another, take a breath and just see what's going on around them. Mm. Well, excellent. So you're saying if you have your druthers, you'd, you'd have a, a community garden in every neighborhood and uh, what, like a, a 14 foot higher seawall? Uh, yeah. what, would, what would be the, <laughs> the, 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 the proper uh, steps, I guess, as a city administration yeah. to um, preparing for the uh, shit show that is um, uh, acceleratingly close uh, upon us? Absolutely. Yeah, I think we definitely need a higher seawall. Um, I, Build that I, wall. I, 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 <laughs> <laughs> I was I was watching the mayor's um, address on on Thursday, and I was like, and he was like, "Yeah, we we have a seawall." And I was like, "This is considered a seawall, like like legally, like this is like defense, <laughs> uh, really." Yeah, we <laughs> um, call this a wall. <laughs> It's like my grandma could build better than you. <laughs> 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 um. Sorry, Chris, I'm trying to remember your question. Oh, yeah. I was just talking about sort of infrastructure questions. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, So, you know, like, for example, we have uh, one of the problems that plagues a lot of, um, you know, uh, cities built in the 1800s, which is that we have a combined sewage uh, and... um, uh, what do you call it? Like, uh, over, overflow water, uh, like, uh, runoff from the roads, stormwater. Thank you. Um, and we get things called combined sewage overflow events, uh, that happen essentially every time it heavy rains, um, that dumps a mix of, uh, stormwater and human feces, as well as, uh, various, uh, you know, chemicals that end up in the sewer, uh, into the Hudson which then cause a, you know, sort of algal bloom. And then as the algal uh, bloom dies, a uh, precipitous drop off uh, in dissolved oxygen and potentially local, um, you know, uh, uh, fish uh, kill uh, due to asphyxiation. Uh, That isn't as much of a problem with uh, the Hudson because it is a... um, a tidal uh, uh, estuary, so it like flows both ways, um, which helps a bit with that. But in terms of you know, and we uh, already killed most of the fish. Yeah, we killed, <laughs> true, yeah, we true. killed those a long time ago. Uh, but as far as um, you know, infrastructural improvements, um, I, I can't imagine them all getting done within a single city council term. But what's sort of your vision for helping Troy prepare for the twenty first century? 
Yeah, I think absolutely. Um, like, I don't know all of the like technical specs to it because um, I didn't I didn't do a lot of that at RPI. Um, I, I was more like, you know, we're going to talk to the community and yada, 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 like very flowy kinds of things I learned in the classroom. But yeah, I think um, I just remember there was one time where Morgan and I were driving back um, from work and it was like downpouring, downpouring and literally like parts of downtown flooded, um, parts of like the near Ida um, that was all flooded. Um, and then at our, uh, that, that road on RPI, right by RPI, just completely was destroyed. Um, yeah. and it was closed down for like at least a week, oh, I want to say. Longer, um, I think. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I remember that. That was nightmarish. Yeah. And, you know, making sure that we're actually prepared for those kinds of things and, you know, that our streets aren't overflowing. Like, I was like, wow, I haven't seen this since, like, I was studying in other countries, like, this amount of, like, flooding in, in a city. Um, so yeah, just making sure that we we have like a flood plan um, because I'm sure like if, if we don't like build a higher seawall, you know, a lot of our streets are going to be like permanently flooded. Like, yeah. and I think going to your earlier point too, like green space helps with that problem. Yeah. Like, obviously, we can't just like turn Troy into a farm. Um, although but, that would be awesome know, as fuck. Although that would be awesome. <laughs> But there are huge swaths of Troy that don't have a single tree growing in them. Yeah. You know, there are, um, and I think, I, I, I was reading this a while back, and I think I actually posted it to the campaign Slack, but, like, there's a direct correlation between, like, air quality and even temperature, like, like temperature spikes in places that don't have trees. Yeah. So, like, when you bu- when you put trees and other green spaces into a neighborhood, the air quality improves. The temperature drops during high during times of high heat. Um, flooding is reduced because you do have plants and soil and grasses that are absorbing the water. And so, you know, some people might be tempted to think like, you know, what is a farmer? What? Why do we need a farmer on the city council? What do we need? Or what isn't urban gardening like its own different thing that doesn't really need? But no, I think that those two things are really interconnected. And during the Zoom meeting event where, you know, you sort of introduced yourself to the to the district, um, one of the things people, multiple people talked about, and I think you had experience with this too, was the difficulty in um, collaborating with the city on turning these vacant lots into gardens. Mm-hmm. You know, these are lots that aren't collecting any tax revenue. Nobody's using them. They become, again, spaces for like sort of, you know, not great activities among bored young people. They become sites for people to use drugs, which, you know, I mean, everybody has to go somewhere, but we we have to like come up with other solutions to that than just vacant lots. Mm-hmm. Um, lots and of so, like, trash your... is also um, dumped on these vacant lots as well. Yes. Tons of trash, tons of trash. Um, so what are your thoughts on like kind of turning the city council into not like an oppositional force to that work, but maybe like, you know, a... a somebody who can help people turn these spaces into something more useful uh, for the community. Absolutely. Yeah. I think um, one of the um, attendees like really had this great idea of like, you know, I, I multiple city council people have told me like, yeah, we're going to make like some sort of ordinance or um, policy draft up some language around um, supporting our, our, farmers and urban farmers and all that. And I'm lucky enough to like, I don't live off of the food that I grow um, at, at, at common greens, my garden in North central Troy, but you know, a lot of folks 
do live off or like make their livelihood off of these these gardens and getting even implementing like getting water there is like a uphill battle and the city like will charge you basically like double what what it's actually worth um to put that in there and yeah just making that those kinds of processes easier um making sure that like having like some sort of soil testing that's easy to do instead of sending it all the way um to umass amherst um mm-hmm. and and i do know that like the city is like there is like some things like i know i think her name's renee in the city um who's like the recycling coordinator like she's mm-hmm. trying to get like uh i think it's mulch that she has um and making sure that that's accessible to folks and free and people can just pick it up um, oh, that's great yeah so like there, there are things like that that are moving and you know i mm-hmm. would love mm-hmm. to see um composting um yep around here because we have it's like we have all these farms and gardens that are coming up naturally which is like really really great um but just making sure the city is actually supporting them and making sure that the city is like providing the resources that they need to thrive and be successful Mm. Um, so so uh one development that we've talked about a lot on this uh show Mm -hmm. is the um development of uh land and uh for the purpose of like uh luxury condominiums and like essentially uh largely unneeded at the moment um uh housing development for you know people basically just to 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 it seems like there it's it's speculation like there's you know hundreds of units going up every year uh in the, yeah, that's catering to like the top 5% of the um the housing market um and it seems like the construction isn't particularly i guess i'd say like state of the art as far as uh environmental efficiency and like um sustainability are concerned like i never see solar panels or wind or geothermal going in on these like huge development projects and i'm just curious what your take is on the fact that you know over the last four years we've had like (laughs) uh, i don't know hundreds and hundreds of uh units go on to the rental market that cater to like the top five percent of the um the 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 housing market uh, in terms of rental uh cost and uh what you think could be done about it yeah and the argument that I hear from like the developers directly, like directly, like sitting in on some of these meetings that they have is like, oh, you know, we're 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 going to bring in wealth. Like some of the RPI students will stay and 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 live in these these apartments. And you know, we're four RPI grads here. And we know that that's not the case. Like a lot of RPI grads are like, all right, peace out. I'm not coming yeah, back here. Like they they don't want to stay here. Um, and if they do, they typically go to Albany um, because they work at Regeneron. Like. Um, it, it it really doesn't make sense to me like why these build why there's so much money being invested in these buildings when we have so many like buildings that need restoration um and could be like livable and great to live in um and i don't understand like why that's the that that's the primary focus of the uh troy leadership it it doesn't make sense to me it's like we have enough housing for everyone here we just need to restore what we have mm. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're we're a city built for fifty thousand people, and we're we're nowhere near. Or we are a fifty thousand. Sorry, we are a fifty thousand uh, person city, and we are built for much, much more than that. So, like, there's plenty of housing stock that we could be rehabbing, and and even you know places where people do live is like just not up to par. You know, and like there's just like so much 
so much could be done there. Yeah, I agree. So Keani, you, you know, obviously you're passionate about uh, gardening and uh, sustainability, and for some reason, keeping humanity alive on this <laughs> planet. You know, weird. Um, Very you're naive. Minority, yeah, yeah, you're in the minority there. We're 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 pro human extinction on this podcast. Um, <laughs> Uh, but you know, to the degree that we we care about about humans, you know, we're all humans here, I think. Uh, and you know, uh, one thing that uh, is a is contentious, really, you know, like in, in politics, uh, more than I wouldn't say more than anything else, but it, it's it's pretty big. Is that you know, uh, there's been a uh, maybe it's like kind of overstated this issue of, of identity politics and like whether or not you should vote for someone or support someone's ideas strictly because of their identity of like who they are. And, um, and, and it's been interesting because I know you have um, shared a stage with uh, one of the uh, authors and, or maybe we can even say inventors of identity politics, Barbara Smith, one of the co-authors of the Kambahi river collective statement. And in you yourself are a, um, a, a, you know, a young queer black person running for city council. So like, what does, like identity politics mean for you in a in a campaign and like how like and and do you think we usually talk about it um the way that it should be yeah absolutely i i remember uh so so i was doing a training for the extinction rebellion um of capital district and i was like yeah we're gonna talk about identity politics and uh, i'm gonna talk about the combi river collective statement and they're like oh barbara smith might show up and i'm like I've heard this before. Like Barbara is not showing up. It's fine. And then she shows up and I'm like, Oh my goodness, I'm going to fuck this up. Like, holy shit. <laughs> um, and she's an imposing figure. She's very, very sweet and like yeah, calm and, and quiet, but you're just like, Oh my God. Oh my God. I, I can't, do, do you need anything? I don't, I don't know how to, I, all yeah. the theory just like fell out of my head. Literally. You just, you just immediately fangirl and you're like, what, 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 I don't have a brain. I don't, I don't know knowledge. (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, But she was like very nice. She actually, I actually, um, there was like one thing that I got kind of like wrong. And at the end of the event, she kind of pulled me aside and was like, Oh, like we, we didn't mean that when we were writing that this is what we meant. And I was like, Oh, like, cool. Like now, now I know, now I know not to um, miss, misguide people on that. Um, But yeah, like to me, identity politics really is about, um, and this is, kind of what the Combehaver of a Collective Statement is all about. It's about um, using your identity to really like dissect and understand what are the root of the issues, what's what's wrong with capitalism, all of that kind of stuff. And so it's not about just like, oh, you're a black queer person. I'm going to vote for you because you're a black queer person and I'm not going to look at your platform. It's more of like, oh, like you experienced this so you understand why this issue is is the way it is. Um, and that's kind of like what I kind of carry into my, um, into my campaign, really understanding what are the issues, what's the root of the issues, like how can we directly impact the way folks are experiencing life and, um, improving that. Um, and I know like folks are probably going to like weaponize my identities, especially like, um, once the right finally start, uh, kind of heckling me, um, you know, kind of being like, oh, she's too young. She has no experience. And it's like. Um, and I know Brittany knows this because she reviewed my resume, but I've done a whole bunch of shit. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> um, Jesus. 
I am ashamed of myself after reading your resume. I felt unqualified to even like be experiencing your resume. Oh, God. Yeah, um, there should really be prereqs for being a group chat with you. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, like people may um, like say like, oh, uh, you know, too idealistic whatever and it's like no i i'm literally building a social club with some of my friends right now like from the ground up like we have a building like um there there are so many different things that i've been building and working with with very little money and resources and a lot of mm-hmm. just volunteering time so i just imagining like what what could happen if you know we actually do have resources behind us um but something folks will and have acknowledged was either explicitly or implicitly is that all my identities my upbringing and my experience really informs the issues in a way that a lot of folks like haven't had that kind of leader in troy um Hmm. or if they have like they weren't supported or they didn't have or like the city really didn't the city leaders really didn't like work with them in order to like make things actually happen so I'm hoping my experience as an organizer, as a leader, um, can really help me unite folks as opposed to dividing folks. And I want folks to hear what I have to say, not just look at me and be like, oh, this is the person that I want to vote for, you know? Mm, mm. So what does success look like for you? Like if you were to be elected uh, at the end of the term, uh, what would be, you know, in your mind's eye, like your 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 biggest win or what you you know your your ultimate goal would be yeah i think my goal really is to build left progressive power in troy and making sure that this work can continue like it doesn't stop with me it continues um and i really hope that um some of the folks that i have heard about running like i really hope they get elected as well because i can't do everything by myself on a sing- as a single person on the city council yeah yeah, we need how many city councilors do we have? Ten, eight? I think we have seven. Seven. So we need so we need uh you know what? To be fair, we'll have six Kianis and then one Jim Gully. And then that both sides are represented. Like Oh yeah. So listeners to the show might remember uh, we've mentioned in the past um, the Norlite plant that um, operates in uh, our sister city, Cahos, uh, right across the river, uh, the Hudson River. Um, this plant uh, essentially has been in the news uh, over the last several years uh, due to um, a controversial burning of a banned uh, quote unquote forever chemical, uh, PFOAA, uh, which is inside of uh, some uh, fire suppression foams that the federal government has contracted with uh, this uh, plant to incinerate um, uh, as part of a DARPA contract. And apparently the EPA was uh, in on it the whole time, which is to say that they were consciously allowing a banned substance to be incinerated in our local environment, uh, which is just about probably like a mile uh, upwind of us uh, across the river. And now they're they're in the news again over a, another environmental uh, contaminant, this time a fine silica dust, which has apparently uh, been blowing off of these giant piles uh, and into neighboring communities for several years. So, so Chris, what's wrong with a little uh, dust? It's, it's just sand, right? Silica is just sand. What's the problem? Yeah. Uh, so there's, there's sand I mean, everywhere. Sand in my <laughs> that, shoes. There's sand true. in. 
uh, sand is at the heart of all living soils. Um, uh, but uh, this specific dust, uh, it says uh, here, I believe this is a quote from retired Columbia University geologist, Dr. Dave Walker, who had uh, tested samples of the Norlite aggregate uh, and said, quote, we're dealing with a material. It's very much like volcanic glass. It's full of bubbles and full of glass shards. It has some mineral fragments embedded in it. And the question is, what volcano uh, would possibly deliver this material to Saratoga sites? Well, of course, there aren't any local volcanoes. So we had to look at the Norlite aggregate. Um, and they, they, they go on to say that the material can pose uh, serious health problems, including uh, silicosis, a progressive and usually fatal lung disease. And I've been studying uh, bioaerosols uh, ever since COVID happened uh, with my work because we're looking to try to figure out how to inactivate um, bioaerosols like in the air. So bioaerosol is like literally any aerosol, like little particle of water that floats in the air that's uh, from a biological source. Um, and one of the things that you learn in the process of trying to sample and understand what bioaerosols are is that they have this thing called a hydraulic diameter, which is essentially like the terminal velocity of a particle. And the uh, the 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 smaller it is, the lower the terminal velocity is, which has two uh, implications. One is that it remains airborne for much longer, um, and the other is that it doesn't get filtered out by any uh, by most of the um, biological uh, filters of your own body. So when air like changes direction suddenly, uh, the things that are slightly heavier uh, have like momentum so that they like, you know, slap into the side of say your nostrils or your nose hairs or your mucous membranes in your esophagus or any of these things. But if it is very, very, very tiny, then it can actually float down into the deepest recesses of your lungs where your body has no biological method of ever extracting it. And Could so, you say like, that in an ASMR voice now? But yeah, so, <laughs> so these very lightweight glass uh, particles uh, have the potential of like entering people's uh, respiratory systems and just staying there. And, like, Sounds like doing... mesothelioma, like not unlike, you know, asbestos lung poisoning um, or like problems that we've seen with graphene. Right, graphene mm -hmm. is that the one I want? Yeah, yeah, um, Gra yeah. A lot of the nanoparticles have this problem. It seems like the story of like late modernity is just creating scary, very tiny things that can kill us. Like we've just <laughs> been making so many tiny things that can kill us, and they're so small that we don't even realize they could kill us until like eventually, yeah. you know, we're like, oh no, it's so it's too tiny. Um, just a fun <laughs> fact about ants: their terminal velocity. Uh, relative to their size and weight means that they can survive a fall from any height. Wow. You I didn't know that. You could drop an ant from the upper atmosphere of Earth and it would survive when it hit the ground. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So they don't even need parachutes. No, they don't. They don't That's... need parachutes. They don't need landing nets. Oh. They don't need anything. They would really be the perfect oh. trapeze artists. Mm. Although I suppose <laughs> it would take away some of the like suspense because, you know, they fall, whatever. Um, yeah, but then they'd have to, you know, go up against the uh, the, the flea circus union, and th those guys are <laughs> yeah, they don't some tough bargainers. Let me tell yeah, you what. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, so okay, that's so, not good. Yeah, yeah, and we're sure it's not a volcano. <laughs> you know, 
Yeah, we that's what I feel like we skipped did, over that. Yeah, where did this come from? I mean, what? How the hell did it get here? Yeah, I guess I guess they're they're figuring that out. Um, and then well, there's a giant uh, they, pile of it. Like what? Yeah, what do they just keep? Is it like? So it's like cool to look at. Like, why do we have a giant pile of like stuff that can kill you? All right. Well, uh, you know, looking at their website, this is uh, norlightag.com. Apparently, Norlight uh, manufactures what's called an expanded shale aggregate, uh, which is apparently a lightweight porous ceramic material produced by expanding and vitrifying select shale in a rotary kiln process produces a consistent predictably high quality ceramic aggregate that is structurally strong physically stable durable environmentally inert light in weight and highly insulative it is a non-toxic absorptive aggregate that is dimensionally stable and will not degrade over time um so, so they make it's rocks. not toxic yeah they make rocks essentially probably for it's some environmentally other- inert yeah for, for since structural your lungs aren't considered the environment <laughs> then it's not False. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. and you know what else isn't toxic? Uh, a knife. You know, a knife isn't toxic, but a knife can <laughs> still uh, kill you. Um, uh, by Look, knives physically... are organic and very often free range, so I don't, <laughs> I don't see what the problem is. Uh, but apparently, yeah, I, I... the uh, masonry from uh, Norlite was used in a Best Buy in Enfield, Connecticut. They're really uh, proud of that. Um, mm-hmm. that that's okay. on their website. Oh, but so, but them. also the Triborough Bridge, apparently. Oh, the Marriott Hotel. Hey, um, the, so apparently, in response to uh, a request from the city, and I think this is uh, Cahos in earlier uh, November twenty uh, twenty, the uh, DEC is undertaking a comprehensive review of their. Fugitive Dust Control Plan for Norlight. And at the city's request, the DEC will be giving an update on that process at the February 3rd virtual public information ses- session announced last week. And Fugitive I Dust. Session. Yeah. <laughs> Fugitive Dust would be a great name for a band. Like, Ooh, yes. Ooh, or like, a, yeah. or like, a, like a DC superhero. Oh, see, I'm, yeah. thinking like early, I'm thinking like early 90s Harrison Ford movie. Okay, yeah. yeah. I can see that as well. Get off my silica pile. <laughs> uh, Man, you just mixed well, together like three different movies there, but I, I, did. I appreciate I did. it, yeah. So, you know, ho- hopefully we'll, we'll figure out some more information about this and report back for listeners. Um, yeah, I mean, this quote from... This executive director of Saratoga Sites Against Norlite Emissions is really, he says, it's very unsettling that people daily are breathing in glass and they're being killed from the inside. There's no other way to say it. Jesus. Cool. Being killed from the inside. It's like a (laughs) also a great that's a that's a good album. Yeah, that's a good album title. Yeah, Yeah. it sounds like like a nine inch nails song. Tammy, do we have to like declare war on Cohoes now? Like, what what do you do as <laughs> yeah? Like a city, I've, like, I've, I've actually been thinking about changing my entire platform and just being like, you know what, D five, what we're doing, we're getting a fucking cannon. So you know, it would, it would tie right into like my my campaign change. So we got them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. How about a tactical nuke? Just just one, just a tactical one, just a little one <laughs> for surgical strikes. Oh. Yeah. Oh god. Yeah, the, uh, that's a uh, Yeah, but uh, I, I guess like seriously though, like what like 
cities always are always encouraged by uh the governments that like it, that are around them like state and federal governments to, like compete for shit right mm-hmm. like ooh, yeah. like there might be a new amazon warehouse who wants the tax revenue right you know stuff like that yeah. Yeah. um but like here's the situation where there's this um the, the, this danger the, this like this these piles of glass that kill you from the inside that are <laughs> flying around <laughs> and and it's not in troy but it could impact troy residents like it is is the answer there like just better coordination with cities is it like city like troy and Cahoe's coming going to a higher authority to demand and and replace God or something like what, what um, uh, like what like what do you do? Yeah, I mean, I'm also on the sustainability task force of the city of Troy, and there's been some talk about setting up um, more regional alliances and coalitions so we can actually like talk about the environmental issues that we're dealing with and um, figuring out solutions. Like I know that there's a I think it's like solar aggregation that folks are have been talking about and yep, yep. in the more the more cities that are involved like the, the more likely we'll we'll get a yes kind of thing so um i think actually setting up like in organizing very efficiently and being like you know here are the issues that are impacting like these areas you know obviously this being airborne is not good <laughs> um and you know could easily fly over here across the river so i think just yeah. increase like communication about that actually like knowing what what's going on in your neighboring cities um and just like building like communication lines i think is like kind of the first step and then the second step is really just like making shit happen and you know maybe borrowing um legislation that other cities pass um and even like pushing the county to have stronger protections around um these kinds of things because I guarantee this is not the only um, company doing dog shit things to the environment out here. Yeah. Mm. It's not the only thing killing you from the inside. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and another power that city councilors have that I think I don't often see taken advantage of is just direct contact with their constituents mm-hmm. and a kind of relationship with the people in your district where you can say, for example, encourage your constituents to engage in a letter writing campaign to the governor. Mm -hmm. Like as dumb as it sounds, like letter writing campaigns are kind of effective, like Mm -hmm. in so far as like other ways of engaging with your representatives and your like, you know, your your people, people higher in state and state and and sometimes federal government, too. It's like um, I don't see a lot of that, at least like in the times that I've lived in Troy, like I don't really recall ever having my city councilor reach out to me for anything, mm-hmm. um, which seems like a lost opportunity. If you are trying to get things done at, you know, a level that's higher than the city, um, I don't know, that seems to to be something that is not taken advantage of. Absolutely. Well, I fully expect you once in office to uh, destroy all glass. Get rid of it. No more glass. I will, I will um, ban anywhere. ban glass from oh, Troy. Like no, no plastic. You know what can't stab you in your lungs? Plastic. So I don't know. Have we thought about that? Have we considered that? 
Oh, yeah. So the problem with plastic is that it can get down to such small <laughs> particles that it's just like in your blood. I know. Oh, come like, on. I know. <laughs> <laughs> plastic. <laughs> uh. Do we want to talk about this ice story? I know this is like an abrupt transition, but do we do we have anything yeah. else about the silica glass killing us from the inside or should we talk about the ice? I just, I just have like a, um, I, I, I don't know if this take is fully formed, but basically being like, oh, you know, they, they take out the bad stuff and then they keep the good stuff in the in the silica. And, and you know, it's fine. It's, it's, it's environmentally safe and everything. It's good. <laughs> Well, you, you don't want those knife, those like tiny knives in your your masonry, no. right? You right. want to get those out first. Like yeah. the problem, yeah. they're doing something good. You know, just it just it shouldn't go in your lungs either. But you know, gotta get those old old knife things out. Yeah. The, yeah the, do you the, want the those mayor. in your Best Buy? Do you want tiny <laughs> knives surrounding you in Best Buy every time that, you walk in? Kind of lit though. Like just. just <laughs> Yeah, I'm pretty sure television. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that the uh, the solution is just to cover the piles, and they're probably just like, <laughs> you know, just need to be forced to cover the piles so that we yeah. just blow it just into a our big lungs. Tarp would maybe help with all this. Yeah, yeah. But but we have to make sure to let them know you have to put rocks on the ends of the tarp so it doesn't just blow over. Yep. Oh, that's yep. true. Yeah, we learned that oh. with our wood pile. You gotta you gotta put put some yeah. rock on it. <laughs> I'm tired of big government coming in telling me what things I should put tarps on. <laughs> maybe I, I, if we covered, maybe if we covered the silica with big knives, then Ooh. it would weigh down the oh, tiny knives. Yeah. Ah, ah. Ah. What if we got some firefighting foam and put that over <laughs> the silica pile? And then to get the fire foam off to get to the silica piles, you burn Just it. it on fire. Wait, yeah. No shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's that's not right. <sighs> All right. Uh yeah, no, let, let let's go on to this ice article. Let let's let, yeah, let's, let's take just, a look. Uh, uh all right. Speaking of things that are killing you from the inside. Yeah, I mean, fuck, this story is is grim. I just saw this this morning posted by the Intercept. Uh yesterday they published it. And um So three Cameroonian asylum seekers who were locked up in a um, ice and they call them processing centers, which is just so horrible. Like process, like we shouldn't be like a chicken processing. Yeah. Which if you want to hear more about chicken processing, uh, tune in for our bonus episode. We're going to be talking about um, these forced work rehab programs and um, the horrific things that happen in them. So patreon.com slash ironweeds. Um, but it's so, yeah. not slavery if you're a drug addict. <laughs> <laughs> or an immigrant. Or an immigrant, yeah. Um, so these three Cameroonian asylum seekers were told were threatened with exposure to COVID-19 if they failed to obey orders. So basically what happened is, you know, Cameroon is this is not good, folks. There's like a really despotic regime there. I don't. I am not going to pretend to know a ton about Cameroon. I just know that it's there's, the situation's not good. That's why we have so many asylum seekers from there, and people who have been deported from the United States back to Cameroon have been tortured and murdered upon arrival in the country as basically traitors for trying to leave. It's almost like if you went all the way across the world to get away from something. <laughs> It's dangerous. <laughs> dangerous. And getting brought back to it is bad. It's not good. Yeah. 
So ICE was trying to move these asylum seekers to one of their facilities, which is basically like the last stop before deportation. It's where you take people when you're about to deport them. And these uh, these refugees didn't want to go. You might be surprised to hear. And when they refused to be transferred, ICE agents threatened to uh, transfer them to Bravo Alpha which is the detention unit where COVID-19 positive detainees are held in quarantine. And both of these, uh, two, two of these asylum seekers are at high risk for COVID. One has asthma and the other has hypertension, both conditions that make you more susceptible to dying from the virus. Yeah, comorbidities. Yeah, comorbidities. Thank you. Um, and so they went along with it because it was like, do you want to maybe die in Cameroon or do you want to maybe die in bravo alpha yeah if if like you're if you won't go back to your homeland genocide we'll do our you'll be a subject to like our genocide here in the united states yep like pick your genocide pick which genocide you would like to participate do you want local genocide or international genocide (laughs) which local genocide i mean if it's local and that keeps my dollars in the community then I'm going to go with local genocide. <laughs> <laughs> if it's run by a democratic government, you know, like mm. think about it. Think yeah. About it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, this is fucked up. Also uh, just, you know, to remind everybody, um, the U S is a signatory to the Geneva convention and in the Geneva convention, the uh, use and or threat of use of biological warfare is um, like literally a crime against humanity and banned. Um, and so I think the idea of threatening people um, uh, by, you know, the only offer outside of, you know, uh, deporting them to a country where they should be versus being deported to a country that they, by all seemingly rights, should be offered asylum uh, and amnesty from. Uh, that's a fucked up choice. And I'm pretty sure it's breaking some uh, human rights uh, clauses. No, the United States doesn't do that. Chris, what are you talking about? Jeez. <laughs> We're the good guys. Yeah, so I mean, and this comes after you know, like two days after taking office, uh, Joe Biden issued a a hundred day deportation moratorium and made it a central campaign promise. Uh, And yet, this this keeps happening. Yeah, Uh, and you know, and I think that that's um, it's also worth uh, thinking about how you know on their way out, um, uh, ICE officials like basically did uh, to to the nation what like in microcosm or macrocosm, I guess what uh, like city, the problem cities have with their police unions where like now the union that represents ICE officials and yeah, they're unionized. (laughs) um, Jesus. uh, uh, Like their management basically has their union management has a lot of say and control over how the, or the, the um, department itself is run, which makes it very hard to like, say dismantle it. Um, and so like, even if, so we're, we're increasingly getting to a point where like, like, like presidential candidates can't even promise to do much about ice, which is really horrifying that like ice can start to become like this independent, uh, uh, force of genocide. It's like really, really terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, even the conditions that these, uh, that people are being held in in the first place are. I don't really think it's a stretch to call it like almost it's almost genocidal. Like the people are being kept in. It's definitely torturous. It's definitely torturous. Um, 
you know, immigrants are being kept in facilities where they can't socially distance. You know, they're being kept 30, 40, 50 people to a pen. And it's, I mean, I mean, it's like animals to the slaughter. It's really, really horrific that, and what, and like, there's nothing, nobody is doing anything about it. Nobody is doing anything about it. Like, yeah. there's oh, no. Oh, wait, th- I thought we got rid of the Cheeto. We got rid of the fascist Cheeto. <laughs> well, like, you know, w- you know like true. no more kids in cages, right? <laughs> yeah, now no, they're no, just in overflow facilities, I think they call them. Yeah. No, I, no, <laughs> no more, more people being put into what they call an ice box and not given a blanket. Yeah. Like yeah, it, mothers it, it, getting, you know, fucking um, uh, operated on in like some fucking, you know, Nazi-esque like uh, forced sterilizations being put on these people. Like, <sighs> I- I'm sorry. I'm no, I, I mean, it's. <laughs> there's not really a good way to like, you know, usually on this show, we try to like talk about politics and make some jokes and, you know, but like, there's just no there's nothing to say other than that. It's really horrific and heartbreaking and makes and makes me feel very um useless i guess it makes me feel very small relative to the problems that we face yeah a, a yeah. cuban a cuban asylum seeker at the uh, uh etowah county detention center in gadsden alabama described uh medical conditions and the facility's response to the pandemic as abysmal this week, he had asked for a new mask after losing his, Mendez said, and was told that they had none. The guard pointed to an empty empty box and said, no masks. Um, he still uh, struggles to catch his breath sometimes and was shocked at the treatment he and others had received. And of course, because he's from Cuba, where it's all free. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, you know, I like I, I don't know under what circumstances you would leave Cuba for the United States. Um, right now but uh damn i mean cuba's not a paradise like let's not not paradise you know a great place to live but yeah i mean i'd imagine that they they weren't being in a constant held in concentration camp in cuba yeah probably not we we, we're the ones that hold people in concentration camps in cuba call guantanamo bay folks yeah so uh, not to put you on the spot uh kiani but what the fuck do we do about this Um, did yeah. you know when you came on Ironweeds to be interviewed about your run for city council that we would ask you how you're going to handle Cohoes having uh, poison glass floating through the air and ice and ice detention centers um, giving people coronavirus? You, you know, it's just a day in the life of, of a city councilor. You know, you got you got to have the big issues. You know. <laughs> um, yeah, I have no fucking idea. I mean. My brain right now is like, okay, what can I do? And I'm like, I guess I can try and send over some fucking masks to these motherfuckers. Like, first yeah. off. Um, yeah. That's a good practical uh, piece of uh, actionable advice. Yeah. Um, Donate to ICE, people. We're actually going to post this. We'll fund me in the, in the show notes for this. Buy masks for ICE. They're really struggling over there. <laughs> um, it's, 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 it's a union and it's a union shop. You know, just yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, get, we we got We got to give them some Keanu for Troy masks. Let, let us solve it all. Oh, Ooh, no. that's a great idea. That's good. That's um, Yeah, right. Um, yeah, you know the news will eat it up. You know, Times Union would love that shit. Um, <laughs> um, but but in all seriousness, I I really think we need to be like putting pressure on like our fucking like senators and uh, you know put pressure on fucking Biden and being like, what the fuck, like. 
what is going on? Um, this is really unacceptable. And that that's the things that I can think of, but like, you know, I, I'm not doing this alone. So like, if you guys have any suggestions yeah. or thoughts, like totally here for that. Yeah. Well, I mean, one well, thing is to just make Troy a sanctuary city so that we can decrease our complicity in sending people to these places in the first place. Like, you know, the the city council uh, did manage to pass the right. Did they pass it? They passed yeah. the sanctuary city resolution, but then Mayor Madden refused to. He vetoed it. He yeah. vetoed it. So, yeah. um, you know, I think more pressure on the mayor and a more sort of unanimous voice from the council on passing a sanctuary cities re- resolution would at least help us. And even then, I mean, it doesn't like demand that the cops stop working with ice, but it at least sends a strong message. I think, I think we're at the point right now where just those tiny, those little tiny, almost symbolic measures are the very best that any one of us can do. Um, uh, and, and I think Rensselaer County was the only County to um, renew its, its contract with ice. If I'm not mistaken, it's it's the only con- only County in the state that has any contract <laughs> yeah. with ice and, um, and, and they renewed it with no public, uh, uh, um, no, no, no public input. Yeah. So I, I think that's also like something that we could, we can aim and, um, you know, I know Gwen White, right. Is, is running and hopefully getting, um, getting a new county executive in the, in the office. But um, yeah, really just, just telling these motherfuckers, no, that's, that's not okay. Yeah. Um, and we, we, we touched on it a bit earlier uh, when we were talking about the, uh, the push to um, drive people toward the working families party right now, but to expand upon that a little bit for our listenership uh, we have in this uh, area of New York a thing called fusion voting, which means that like anybody can basically run on any party platform as long as they win that party's primary and we have closed primaries. So for example, uh, I was trying to run for city council in district one and I was denied the green party line on the ballot because I lost the green party primary because the Republican party actually registered, uh, Republicans in the green party to write in the Republican city council candidate, uh, during the primary more then the Greens were able to uh, activate and uh, leverage their own authentic uh, base. And the same thing is now happening with the Working Families Party line, where we have uh, Big Boss Baby uh, slash uh, Notorious Sex Pest Steve McLaughlin, who is now trying to capture the Working Families Party uh, line, even though he's you know an extreme anti-immigrant, anti-worker, um, right-wing nut job. And uh, so a bunch of people are trying to jump into that party so that they can vote within that primary uh, for uh, his opponent, Gwen Wright, uh, who is an actual progressive and is going to you know hopefully be able to um, uh, depose him, uh, electorally speaking. Um, uh, and yeah, uh, so you, we were talking about how that might actually, uh, lead to some type of, uh, conflict, uh, within the, any, it, within the Democrat, uh, primaries, if there is a, uh, large amount of contests between sort of the corporate, um, uh, Dems versus the, uh, the sort of grassroots progressive Dems. Yeah. Um, is, is that something that you might want to comment on? Yeah, I mean, I think um, in terms of like Gwen Wright's uh, campaign, and I'm not like tied to it at all um, in the Working Families Party, I think also we have to think about like, not it's it's not just like Troy, but also like in Rensselaer County, like how many Working Families Party people do we have registered? Um, so, so I would really encourage folks that aren't living in Troy um, and don't 
aren't necessarily um, running someone on the Democratic ballot to register as Work to Families Party. But I would kind of, um, and, and this might be a little bit like one-sided or selfish or whatever, um, but, you know, we have to vote down ballot too. And um, mm-hmm. like making sure that like we're able to get secure the Democratic nomination requires folks to be registered as, as Dems. Um, so just making sure that folks like are aware of like the two things that could happen and the two reasons to either stay or um, re re-register um, is, is really important to emphasize. Like, yes, we want Gwen to win and everything. Um, and and I, I, I see her like, at least like from what I've seen, I, I feel like the Democrats would support her. Whereas like me, like I'm younger and um, they might not think I'm as experienced and things like that. Um, and they may not take me seriously and um, making sure that they know, like, or making sure that we have folks to vote um, down ballot is really important as well. Yeah. Right. So what we, what we want is a situation where we have enough uh, progressive Democrats registered in District 5 or, where, or, or in Troy in general, right? And make sure that they can vote for progressive candidates in the Democratic primary. And because if they all suddenly switch to the Working Families Party, they wouldn't have a say there. And then you might get you, Kiani, or some other progressive might get on the Working Families line, mm-hmm. but now you're competing with someone else on the Democratic Party line. And yeah, a and lot you're not going to win by just running on the Working Families mm-hmm. Party line. Correct, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, we, uh, yeah so there's a lot of uh, strategic... Uh, uh, voting and and uh uh um uh primarying that's gonna go on so yeah if you you know if you, if you know for certain um and right now i don't think it would be possible to because petitioning hasn't even started mm-hmm. uh that's next month you know if you um if you know for certain that uh there's not going to be a democratic primary uh it, at any point in your ballot uh then then yeah maybe switch to the working families party but otherwise you know if you have a if you're in the democrats you know just stay in stay in that cesspool no uh you know <laughs> as, as, as stay stay on that line for as long as possible so you know you can help out well i'm gonna go ahead if you're like if you're in district five or six i believe is another one that we're looking at mm-hmm. again i don't know if folks have announced yet so i don't want to but like Honestly, if you live in Troy, we're in a moment where there is likely to be a slate of progressive people running for council and we need them to win their primaries. If the Democrats try to primary them, they're going to be looking at, you know, frankly, the same like centrist slash conservative Democrats running over and over again. And they're just going to maintain control over the council for until we're all dead from silica killing our lungs. So (laughs) we have to get like progressives in the city council, we have to get some leftists in the city council. And the only way we're ever going to do that is if people are registered Democrats. So at least if you're in district five, uh, you need to be a registered Democrat because we need County to win. County does not yet have a primary challenger, but if she gets one, we need people to be able to vote for her. So it sucks. It's a stupid fucking game that we have to play. It's stupid. It's not even something that we should have to worry about. We should just be able to vote. Shouldn't be this like complicated tangle of whatever else. But you know what? It worked for the anti-rent party. So in that way, I can't really be that mad about it. That's, that's a shout out to a very old episode of ours. Go check out the anti-rent, yeah, anti-rent wars. anti-rent wars. Yes. <sighs> All right. Well, uh, Kiani, thank you so much for coming on Ironweeds and speaking to us about these very important issues. Yeah. And plug some shit for us. Yes. Uh, um, thank you so much for having me here. Plugging shit. Yes. 
Um, so if you want to know more about my campaign, go to Kiani4, the number four, um, Troy.com. Um, follow me on social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Kiani number four, Troy. Um, if you want to donate, go to kiani Um, if you want to help out, go to kiani it sounds like everything that you need is on KeaniForTroy.com. Yeah. 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 Just about everything wow. you need is on KeaniForTroy.com. Um, and it's a beautiful website, by the way. It really is. The very hard work of uh, the most important member of Ironweeds, me. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> 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 yeah. Um, yeah. And with regards to donations, like we really need local donations. Yes. Um, especially if you live in Troy, we need local small dollar donations. Um Sign up to donate regularly, like monthly. There's, you know, on it's all on Act Blue. You can sign up to donate monthly. That's awesome. Sustained donations are really going to keep the campaign going in the long term. And then eventually, we might, Keani. I think, I think the goal is to eventually announce to folks like not living in Troy to donate to the campaign. But I think for now, we still want to keep it pretty local. Am I right on that? Yeah, we want to get as many local donations as possible because um, I think it's in like the, I, and I don't know exactly the finance laws, but I, I think we really, you, you want to have more, uh, you have to report like, I think twice a year or something like that. Um, so we, we want to have more folks locally donating than people outside. Um, the area. But not necessarily within District Five, right? Um, District I, Five is ideal, yeah. But all okay. of Troy is is better. Basically, you don't want people like accusing Keani of being a carpetbagger and like you know mm. being propped up by Albany or by you know bourgeois New York City uh, intellectuals or whoever mm. else. So. <laughs> like us, um, like oh, I'm a fucking intellectual. Over here. <laughs> Jokes on you. I don't even know what carpetbagger means. <laughs> it's like, oh, wow, carpetbagger. We're bringing out the southerner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think carpetbaggers were um, during, was it during Reconstruction? Reconstruction. Yeah. yeah, where they were basically sending northern, like, union plants into the south to, I think that's what it was. Yeah. I don't know. And their bags were made out of carpet. Um. Awesome. Okay. So we're going to link to all Kiani stuff in the show notes of this episode. Go to our Twitter account. We're going to be tweeting out some stuff for Kiani's campaign. Um, yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It's been thank a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on. This is a great conversation. Yeah. Thank you so much. All right. So we're all sort of aware of the ongoing eco side uh, of which, you know, the human intervention and natural ecosystems is rendering large uh, portions of uh, the biosphere uh, inhabitable and reducing the biodiversity leading to uh, species die off uh, extinction uh, and potentially uh, uh, irreversible climate change. Um, but I think I heard something about that. <laughs> Or like I saw the tweet, but I I didn't read the article to be honest. But I did see something about that um, Wait, last week. What planet do we live on? <laughs> <laughs> but our fate is not sealed. The future is unwritten, and the capability of humans to rationally and consciously um, change their ways and um, bring about a uh, third nature in which we uh, consciously uh, manage our ecology and uh, understand the value of biodiversity, um, that is possible. We can do it, and people are doing it. Um, and I came across this uh, article, and I was like, oh, shit, 
this is a good wildflower because you know you read a lot in uplifting news where it's like Jeff Bezos buys a homeless man like free pizza dinner. <laughs> like, you know, uh, I have but- to tell just for the listener, you know, we started this segment like pretty early on in the podcast that we would do like a happy story at the end. Wildflower is what we were going to call it. It is fucking hard to find <laughs> legitimately good news to talk about at the end of every episode, regular and bonus. And because sometimes you find something and it's just, it's like, capitalist has a soul maybe i don't know it's pretty heartwarming but this one is actually <laughs> legitimately good news so very good find chris i yeah, i applaud you hey, thank job. you thank you i'm patting yeah, myself you, in the back this, uh, reading the internet today <laughs> <laughs> and you know it's a good story because it has a, a quote right at top that says i thought it might be a water rat but then i got <laughs> to look at the bill and i thought oh my goodness it's a platypus <laughs> so uh yeah this article uh comes uh care of abc uh net dot au um for our uh folks uh on the other side of several ponds um uh australia the the great down under and we do um, have australian listeners and we even have a few friends in australia well hell yeah yeah hi jenny and james yep hope uh, doing well. shout out to cam and katie ho- ho- hope you're uh doing well as well hi, I-, I worked with I worked with an Australian. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, good folks. Yeah, they're uh, fine. Yeah. Uh, For ex-prisoners, I mean, you know, they have a pretty questionable background, if you ask me, but. Yeah. You know, uh, they're, okay, they're, I'm searching. <laughs> Is that brain a pan, Their brain pans, you know, like, uh, dispose themselves to criminal behavior. <laughs> genetic. <laughs> all right, all right. Tell us about this platypus good news. Uh, but yeah, so uh, some ecologists have uh, banded together and uh, worked with local uh, philanthropists to um, purchase a thousand acre uh, blue gum plantation, which I had to look up. Blue gum is a uh, subspecies of eucalyptus and is primarily harvested um, for the purpose of very fine copy paper. So, you know, whereas, you, whereas uh, big red gum is <laughs> is a delicious gum. That is cinnamon flavored. I'm yeah. disappointed to learn that blue gum is not gum, but that's okay. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes life disappoints you. But yeah. It, next time it is not wintergreen flavored. Y- yeah. You pick up a, a clean, fine ream of copy paper and you're just like, yes, it's so good. Just understand that, you know, it, it comes at the expense of uh, wetlands uh, typically because um, this was in a wetland that had been uh, purposefully drained and made into a forest. Um, uh, forest plantation, a monoculture that did not allow for much biodiversity or, or uh, biological resiliency within the uh, the ecosystem. But time can go backwards, uh, as the ecologists have found that essentially um, purchasing this land and returning it to a wetland by uh, taking out the artificial means by which it was uh, drained and kept dry, uh, basically almost instantly, biodiversity started to return. Uh, and like whole, you know, ecological niches that uh, were extremely rare for these species just, you know, became breeding grounds, sources of food, uh, safety, habitat for tons and tons of different organisms. And uh, wetlands form a very important um, uh, physical uh, niche within the um, 
the hydrology or the the, the water cycle of, of whole bioregions. Um, and, you know, returning them is something that is extremely difficult in a uh, capitalist uh, economy uh, because the land that they occupy, um, you know, will not return a uh, an economic value in the sense of profit, but uh, is like necessary for filtration of uh, runoff and for uh, a biohabitat for a ton of uh, species that, you know, human beings, uh, you know, rely on. And one of the things that the article says is that wetlands are kind of uniquely good at bouncing back because they are already part of the ecosystem is that these periods of wet and dry. And so once you just allow it to get wet again, <laughs> once you allow it to get wet again, it sort of it's it's not like you know when you've deforested huge tracts of land and now you have to plant new trees and wait for them to grow and only then with a wetland you just like once the water's back it's a wetland again, um, and because it is like sort of I guess accustomed to it's kind of weird to like anthropomorphize an environment like that but because it is accustomed to being dry for periods of time you know it's 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 uh and like you were saying it's such an important ecological niche because it's so different than other you know more static ecosystems so and and, you know I'm I'm particularly amenable to wetlands because like I I the formative years of my life were spent like getting uh uh everglades propaganda like shoved into my head for mm. like like all of grade school where they, man they really spend like the just, first 10 years of your life telling you how important the everglades are meanwhile you're sitting on land that used to be everglades yeah. and is now just like concrete jungle and and the, and, the, and, the, and the whole and the whole time it'll just be like look it just looks like grass all right it just looks like wet grass but it's actually beautiful the the Native Americans called it Pihayoki, the river of grass. It's like, <laughs> and it's like, yeah, no, I like, I think it's beautiful. I think it's anything like, no, no, you don't understand. It's it's more beautiful than like it actually looks like. And I'm like, what what? Are you? I don't know. It was it was always a yeah. very strange uh, kind of indoctrination where it's like you have to love it, love it more. And it's like, yeah, no, shit's important, but like I don't have to like pretend that I love it more than I actually do. I'm gonna just let it be. It's let the Everglades be the Everglades. <laughs> it's right, sort of like your are, liver. You yeah, know, it's uh, like it, it, you got to be propagandized to like your liver because <laughs> like so much of our culture is about destroying your liver. And, you know, like your liver, the, 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 the wetlands provide a, a biological function of filtration. Of yeah, a, really lot, do, yeah. a, a lot of, you know, the, the excesses of uh, our society. Yeah, David, the- did you have nature's classroom? Or was uh, that just Hillsborough County I have thing? N- no, I, I have no idea what that is. We had a we we had when I was in school this program called Nature's Classroom, and you would go out for like a few days, and you would go to these wet. We went to a wetlands environment, and you know you would like hold snakes and like look at bugs and stuff, and learn all about the the ecosystem. But what was like, you know, you were going to like one of the last wetlands in the area, like in the county. And you just have all these, you know, fourth graders like tromping out through, you know, the wilderness and like picking bu- up snakes, huge buses, like shipping all these kids out every single day. Yeah, it's a little. Um, it's a Sounds little pretty counter. dope, though. For you the know, kids. It, was, it was really fun. We saw alligators. We got into canoe down the Hillsborough River and stuff. It was neat. But, you know, we, we had we had the big one. We had the Everglades <laughs> National Forest. 
which is funny that it's a forest when it's a bunch of grass, but it's a, uh, or maybe it's a national park. I think it's a, national, it a national park, park. I think. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, yeah. And they're the, yeah, they'll, they'll just like, you know, like bring out some sixth graders and like, yeah, put on these wading shoes. That's a crocodile. That's an alligator. Stay farther away from the crocodile than the alligator. And like, and, and they're like, this is an apple snail. Like they're almost gone. They're super important and they're ugly, but, but love them anyway. And you're like, that's a heron. And yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty cool. I know way more about the Everglades, honestly, than like, I probably want to. Like I'm, I, like, I'm a big supporter of the Everglades, but like, I, I don't probably need to know what a, a pine dome is and like why it forms, but yeah, I do. Yeah, it's not been super useful to my uh, adult life. But, yeah. All fun. I need to know about the Everglades is how to survive it when my car careens off of the Alligator Alley. <laughs> God, Alligator Alley is such a terrifying, yeah. terrifying strip of Yeah, of for, for, for the non-Floridians in the audience, right? So... It's a, a strip of uh, highway, I-75, that connects South Florida to the West Coast. And there, it's just like a, an hour and a half straight shot through the Everglades. One lane each way. It used to be one lane each way. Now they, they've pussified it. Now it's now oh, any, really? any, now yeah now any uh, fucking like you know uh, uh, cha- uh, uh, you know now any kind of uh, uh, beta cuck can go through the Everglades. But, you know, yeah, before it was one lane each way and they would just like fall off. The street would just fall off into uh, a swamp. Swamp. Yeah. 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 And if you and if alligators you're, would get on the road and people would hit them and die because yeah. alligators are tiny tanks. <laughs> yeah, You just like hit an alligator going 85 miles an hour like you, you, you lose. Yeah, you lose every time. Yeah, you fucking lose. Yeah. Oh, or, or if you like careen, if you like, like, oh no, I'm gonna hit an alligator, and you just like drive off. You go into the swamp, and then the alligator eats you. Or, or, and like, there's just like no way of anyone to get in touch with you or find you. So there's no service. Phone, there's yeah. no cell phone service. Yeah, because even if you had a cell phone, there's no service. And if there was service, you'd just be like, I'm in the Everglades. Like, I don't, I don't fucking know. Yeah. Oh man. Now, Very dangerous. They, yeah, they've since. Uh, I believe you. Put an alligator on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, well, so, this is a really cool story, though. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, sorry. Go yeah. ahead, David. Oh, no, it's, you know, it's a. It's just like a different. These like <laughs> wetlands are, as Chris said, like basically the liver of 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 the ecology. Um, but also like a liver, it's uh, it's it's dangerous. I don't know. I guess livers aren't dangerous. Maybe maybe the <laughs> metaphor doesn't work that far. Cancerous livers are dangerous. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, like, there's just like if you're eating liver and it has like salmonella on it. That's dangerous. That's a good point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. There's just like just <laughs> wetlands are really important, and you should leave them the fuck alone for everyone's mutual benefit. Because also, like, pla- like a platypus, adorable and goofy looking, also incredibly poisonous and can kill you. Venomous. Venomous. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh shit. Yeah, yeah. They can fuck you up. They have a what a mysterious their, animal. Yeah, on their back uh, uh, legs, they have these barbs, and they'll like hug you with their back legs and inject uh, like really powerful venom into you, and you'll die. But this article also has like pictures of these two frogs doing it, and they are so cute. <laughs> They're called yeah. growling grass frogs because the males make a noise like a revving motorbike to lure their mates. They know what's up. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. It, it, you know, uh, the, the, the bike curious uh, methodology. 
Uh, and there's also this juvenile long-necked turtle that's like looking at the camera. So cute. It's like, save me. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, it's just it, it, this this article, we won't go get into all of it. It's actually really well written. It, it tells the it whole is, story yeah. of like how uh, this came about, you know, and what was surprising to me is that the um, the the plantation owners were basically down with it. They were like, I guess, looking to exit the uh, the plantation business. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, when the blue gums were going to be harvested. They were looking to sell the land. Um, and so this like NGO of these ec- ecologists were like, yeah, we'd really like to just return this to the way it was. And the plantation owners were like, oh, yeah, sweet. Sound, sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> so, yeah, we'll post a link to the article in the show notes as always. Um, and you can see some very cute animals that are returning to nature. Um, and, and the, you know, I've been reading a lot of books in lately, um, and the idea of, uh, the human species, um, you know, uh, consciously, uh, forming, um, an ecological and rational, uh, re- relationship with their, uh, with the, the whole of the earth, uh, being something that we would need to do to survive the 21st century. This is a really good example of like that, that actually can be done. And it doesn't necessarily require a revolutionary action. Like it just requires people to uh, do what they can um, to try and uh, return uh, areas of nature back to a hospitable uh, environment for a diversity of, um, you know, the biosphere. Um, and sometimes the, the the interests can be aligned in such a way that that this can actually be done. And this is, you know, a perfect and good example of. Um, you know, sort of direct action, getting the goods, um, yeah. not necessarily like waiting around for some elected, uh, you know, officials or, you know, government to just do this, you know, for the betterment of everyone else. Well, I think they did have a, a, quite a bit of aid from the state, but, mm-hmm. oh, but yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. <clears throat> but it, you it's know, actually I, a story of how rich people can help you <laughs> uh, accomplish your activist goals. That I think is the real story here. No, they did rely a lot on. You know, they had a lot of a lot of factors came together that are often difficult for getting these kinds of projects off the ground, right? Like they had the land, they had mm-hmm. people who were willing to sell them the land, they had people who were willing to give them the money to buy the land. But I do think that it's a really promising example of how, you know, maybe like, I don't know, maybe stuff, maybe more stuff like this will become increasingly possible as industries change and, you know, we start relying on different types of resources. Like that's going to be a huge part of it. Is just, you know, trying to bit by bit reconfigure the economy so that different resources are our main go-tos for things. I don't know if like, you know, I don't know a lot about the blue gum industry. Listeners will be shocked to hear that that's not actually an area of my expertise. But, <laughs> you know, if we like we didn't rely on paper made out of organic <clears throat> matter as much as we do, then a lot of new things become possible. And I think that's true with all sorts of resources that we currently rely heavy on heavily on yeah as long as like you know everyone that uh lives on top of lithium deposits gets the hell out of the way you know like you know it'll be fine no uh (laughs) yeah just get out of there go find somewhere else to live what's wrong with you come on bolivians yeah uh, um yeah it's a it it, 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 yeah it it will be uh like you know uh, there there's there's always hope out there for for different kinds of stuff a new uh you know like uh new better things are are completely completely possible and I'm just like, I still, I, I don't know, I guess I'm just dis- distracted by the existence of platypuses. Like, they're just, 
<laughs> I know. Right? The yeah. fact that we're like giving them more well, of the world, like they're they're coming back. Like I don't know if I even trust these things. Like they're crazy. Their 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 body temperatures are are ninety degrees or like are like ninety degrees. But and they're 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 placental, but mammals. But the, the, it's an egg, and and they have bills and they're venomous. But it's a mammal that makes no sense. It's true. All right, yeah. we're gonna have to unpack this on maybe a future episode of Iron Wings. We do <laughs> Tune need to into wrap the bonus. Up. <laughs> Speaking of bonus, we're about to record a bonus, and it's gonna be about unfree work. So that's cool, and also yeah. corporate autonomous zones. You it's know, coming, folks. Where, you know where the corporation gets to be the government because I think it's long past time to give them a shot. You know. Yeah. Yeah. We've had these fat cats in Washington, D.C. really fucking shit up for a while. So how about we just let uh, <laughs> Tesla be a regional autonomous zone and see what, see what they do with it. So yeah. we're going to be doing that. We're going to be talking about rehab work camps, uh, forced labor for people suffering from drug addiction. Um, and we're going to so, be talking about some other shit, too. Some bad, other bad shit. So you can find that at uh, patreon.com slash ironweeds for as little as a dollar a month. It's basically parable of the sower. You know, we're, <laughs> that's becoming true. <laughs> parable of the sower is becoming true, and we're just going to cover that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, our, book, two, our nearly 250 year experiment in democracy, uh, not looking so good. Uh, you know, not like, so I guess we, we might just return at least like areas into, you know, literal fiefdoms. Uh, to uh, you know, technology companies, but only the really big ones, only the ones that are going to have a, a big market uh, share in the coming uh, uh, decade, like you know, autonomous car manufacturers, AI uh, researchers. Um, yeah, maybe like uh, they should just be able to to completely cut out the idea of uh, democratic representation in um, I, our government. Yeah. Did you know? Just last year, they found out that platypus. Uh, are uh, glow under a black light? What the fuck? It's because they're covered what in evolutionary um... uh, benefit. Does that have? <laughs> <laughs> are there like platypus nightclubs? Platypuses are very horny and they are <laughs> covered in cum all the time and very murderous. So part of yeah. it is the blood of their enemies, and the other is the cum of their friends. So okay, well, who can argue with that? All if right, you've ever right. cummed on any of your friends, get, send us an email. <laughs> um, or you can right, tweet so to us. You can tweet to us. Uh, we do have a Twitter account. Um, David, why don't you tell them where they can find it? At Ironweeds Pod. All right. And uh, maybe we'll put some, some, some hot uh, platypus pictures up on our Instagram at... At Ironweeds Pod. And yeah, send us an email, why don't you? We love hearing from you at Ironweeds Pod. At gmail.com. <laughs> we love you so much. Thank you. Thank bye you. bye. Bye bye. Peace.